chapter 11. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word tonight. Hebrews chapter 11, the first six verses. The Bible says there in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report, though through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that uh, things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness uh, that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This evening, I'd like to bring a sermon entitled, Learning to Walk by Faith. Learning to Walk by Faith. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we pray tonight that you'd be very near and dear to Lexington and Esmeralda Campbell. and Lord, uh, their children, Lord, would you touch her body during this time of sickness and illness. Lord, would you lift her up. And tomorrow as she goes in for this procedure, God, we pray that that you would uh, comfort her as she goes through that. Help her to know you're right by her side and that you're helping her along the way. I pray as a church we'd be an encouragement to her. Help her to know that she's very loved, and Lord, I pray that her spirits would be lifted up. Lord, we turn our attention to the preaching of your word tonight. Lord, as we look at this passage here in Hebrews chapter 11, may we be challenged by our faith. May we evaluate how we live our lives and whether or not we do that by faith. Lord, may we uh, be people that have a faith that is rooted deep, deep down in You. Lord, uh, headwinds of culture will blow. Lord, there's going to be a time where we're going to be separated, the pretenders from the real Christians. And God, our faith will, will show what's really in our heart. So God, I pray that tonight this sermon would serve as a fine reminder that we need to put our roots down as deep as we can get them. And we need to be people of faith because, Lord, that is the only way we can please you. Be with us now during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. As a child, I had the privilege of getting to grow up in a Christian home. A mom and dad who took me to church three times a week and loved us, nurtured us, provided for us. I watched as my dad needed a whole lot of faith to provide for our family. This morning I shared uh, with the church that uh, we didn't always get a whole lot at Christmas or for our birthday. And uh, the reason for that was is because there just weren't a whole lot of funds to provide. But that was okay. We had each other and honestly, that was good enough. That was good enough. When it came to having faith, I didn't have to carry that load. Dad had to carry that load. Mom and Dad had to carry that load. I woke up every morning and the air conditioner where the heat worked. I woke up every morning and there was food in the refrigerator. I woke up every morning and I had a roof over my head. And I honestly needed zero faith to obtain those things. I woke up and they were pretty much automatic. Now, talking to my parents 
all these years later, they kept us shielded from uh, some things. Uh, they kept us shielded from the fact that there were times where mom and dad had to go to food banks to get food for us because there just weren't funds to go to the grocery store and get it. Uh, there were times where um, uh, dad had to call the mortgage company and work it out to be late on a payment because the funds just weren't there, but he was honest and careful how he handled, handed, handled that. Uh, there were times where God would just drop extra money in our laps because the funds just weren't there otherwise. And my dad, his faith was tested, but my faith as a young man wasn't. I remember growing up, I heard a lot of sermons preached about faith. I heard sermons preached like the one I'll preach tonight. And I remember sitting there thinking, yeah, I have faith. I have faith. And I did have faith for salvation, but that was almost where it ended. Because the truth was, for the greater things in life, I really didn't need a whole lot of faith. I really, really didn't. Faith is needed to be saved, but faith is also needed to grow in the Lord. You cannot grow and have a deep relationship with God if you don't have a strong faith. You cannot do it. Many Christians have been saved for many years, but they're still babes in Christ. The reason is, is because they've never learned, as the Bible says, to walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. Many Christians struggle trusting anyone but themselves, and this includes trusting God. Some people act as though they're from the state of Missouri, the show me state. If I can't see it with my own two eyes, then I'm not going to believe it. I was talking to someone earlier this week and they said, I have witnessed and witnessed to my loved one. And my loved one believes in God, but my loved one does not believe in the miracles of the Bible. Does not believe in the miracles of the Bible. And I looked at that person and I said, well, the problem is they have a show-me attitude. They've not seen a miracle, so they don't believe in miracles. I believe the Christian life is a lifelong lesson of learning to trust that God knows what's best for me. For you, it's for what's best for you. Faith in finances. Throughout my Christian life, I've had to learn to have faith that God was going to provide the finances. I didn't need that faith when I was a child. But very, very early on in our uh, young married life, we faced some financial hardships and we had to learn that God is there. He's going to come through. Faith in location. Uh, I can't tell you how many different houses I've moved my poor wife into in the few years that we've been married. We've been uh, in, uh, let's see, one, two, three... Four, five, now six houses in nine years of marriage. Six houses in nine years of marriage. And, uh, we've lived all, we've lived all over the place. Several different places in Maryland and up in Terryville and now where we're at and, uh, prayerfully we'll be buying, uh, in the summer if it works out for us. Uh, but faith and location. There have been times where we were down to the last minute on whether or not God was going to provide for us a place to live, but I have learned in my life that God is going to take care of me as long as I have faith and trust in Him. Another lesson that I have had to learn along the way is having faith about having the right kind of relationships. And faith that sometimes when people don't like me, 
or when people don't handle me the right way, to turn that over to the Lord. And I have my heart be pure between me and that person and me and the Lord, and I've got to let God deal with it. One time I had someone look at me and say, you know what your problem is? This is a person who's a mentor to me. Even to this day, he said, you know what your problem is? You're trying to get these people to do that and these people to do that so you can do this. He said, you need to just stop trying to control everyone and you need to let God be God. And I dropped my head and I said, you are 100% right. Faith. Faith. Tonight I'd like for us to look at several thoughts about learning to walk by faith. Now let me say before we get into the first point tonight is that Faith is one of those things where uh, I could preach on it over and over and over again, and you might sit there and go, well, I have faith. I have faith. And I'd ask you tonight this question, when was the last time that your faith was deepened? When was the last time your faith grew? You see, the Bible tells us that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. We can move mountains. And tonight, uh, and let me just throw this in there, is that if there's one thing that limits the hand of God, if there's one thing that limits the power of God, it is a group of people who don't have faith in God. Tonight, God looks down and He says, I can use this church to reach Stratford. I can use this church to reach all the surrounding cities around Stratford. I can use this church to start a revival that spreads across Connecticut, all over New England. I can use this church to uh, do all kinds of great things in America. I can even use this church to send missionaries all around the world, but I can't do it if the people that sit in the pews of White Oak Baptist Church have a limited amount of faith. Tonight I tell you this, to your degree and our degree corporately to believe and have faith in God, to that degree God can use us. If we're little in number, and we're, is it because we're little in faith? We're little in faith. If we see few salvations throughout the week individually and corporately, is it because we have little faith to back that up. If we, uh, if we, uh, if, if we uh, uh, send few missionaries around the world, if we send uh, a few people across America to plant churches, and by the way, I have a goal one day of seeing our church plant other churches around Connecticut and even in other parts of America, and I think that it's a job of a church to plant other churches around, and, and so that, it, that even when this church one day dies, it can outlive itself in other churches. But if we're going to do that, we have to be a people of faith. And so this evening, as we jump into this message, ask yourself this question, not do I have faith, but how am I limiting faith in my own life and own heart? Ask God to show you that tonight. And as He does, as He does, ask Him to help you to remove those roadblocks and widen and deepen your faith. Number one of the outline tonight is this, the essence of faith. Look with me at verse number one. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of, sub, uh, rather the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, the, what is faith? It is substance and it is evidence. What is faith? It is hope and it is that which is not seen. The second summer uh, after Angel and I were married, uh, we uh, thought we had been hired to go and uh, be an assistant pastor in an area church. We were so excited about it. I think I've told a sim- uh, uh, this story uh, uh, briefly before, so I won't go into deep, deep details, but the story fits the sermon here well. 
I was hired the day before Matthew was born. Actually, actually Angela had been checked in the hospital, and, uh, and, and I went up to meet with the pastor, and he officially hired me. And my start date was going to be as soon as the school year where I was teaching ended. As soon as my contract was up, I was, we were going to move into their parsonage, and we were going to start. Matthew was about two and a half, three weeks old, and we got a phone call from that pastor, and the pastor said, I don't have the funds to hire you, and I feel like God is saying to me, you are not my man, and that I'm not to hire you, and so I'm sorry, uh, Brother Lejeune, but I'm going to have to unhire you. And I'm thinking, the Lord is not telling me what He's telling you. I'm not getting this, uh, this, uh, th- this message from the Lord. That same day, my car gave up the ghost, and so I lost my car, and I lost uh, my paycheck after I had one more paycheck coming. After that, I lost my paycheck, and I had not even begun to look for another job. Remember, I had said in the introduction that I had been living off my parents' faith largely up until this point in my life. You know, when you're single, you think, oh, marriage is a piece of cake. Then you get married, and you find out marriage is hard work. Some of the most critical people about raising kids are the ones that have never had kids. Why can't they put those kids in order? Then they have one. Oh boy! I'm not criticizing any other parent that struggles ever again. Ever again. To me, Christian life and faith was a theory. But that was put to the test when I no longer had a paycheck. I remember we were coming up short on our rent. We were $300 short on being able to pay our rent that next month. We had to sign a month-by-month lease agreement. We had to pay 115% of our rent on no income to do it with. That last paycheck came in and we were $300 short to pay our rent payment. Now in my... Ten years of being a pastor, I have only been asked to speak out, meaning preach at another ministry, three times in ten years. And I imagine now that I'm a senior pastor, those opportunities and time will grow. I'm not seeking them. I'm not looking for them. I'm not enamored by them. I love preaching behind this pulpit right here. I don't need to preach out other places. But um, I got a phone call. I got a phone call from a church about an hour and a half from where I was located. The person on the other end of the phone said, we've been without a pastor for a little over a year. We've had your name on a list to call for about eight months. And we need someone to fill the pulpit. We were wondering if um, if you'd like to come this Sunday and preach for us. We'll, we'll take care of your gas and we'll put you up and give you a place to sleep. You can get here Saturday night. You can do Sunday morning church, Sunday school, and Sunday evening. I said, Sure. I'm in. Let's do it. And so uh, my mom-in-law was with us at the time, and so uh, we loaded up Matthew. It was just Matthew. And we, uh, we drove up there, uh, got checked in the hotel, and they said, listen, here's some money. Go out to eat. There was a golden corral right behind our hotel. Let me say we had a good meal. Amen? Uh, we had been eating meagerly, meagerly, been eating uh, just the bare minimum in order to stretch that food out. So we enjoyed that. The next day we woke up, and again, I was brand new to the ministry, brand new really to preaching in a lot of ways, especially uh, in, in a church setting. I preached uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. After church, the church treasurer, after church Sunday, the church treasurer walked up to me and handed me an envelope. 
I was respectful, and so I took the envelope and I tucked it in my Bible. But can I tell you what I want to do is rip it open right there and see what it said. We got in the car. We pulled out of the parking lot and I handed the check over to Angela. I said, uh, rather the envelope, I said, open that up. She opened it up and when she unfolded it, she began to cry. I said, uh, how much is it for? She couldn't say anything. She reached over and she handed me the check. $400. $400. Down below on the uh, stub part of the check, it said $100 for, su- for Sunday school, $100 for Sunday morning, $100 for Sunday night, and $100 for being a blessing. We were able to tithe off that money. We were able to pay our rent. We were able to have a little bit of money to go get some groceries and put them in the house. God does not forsake His own. Faith says, I'm going to do what's right, even when logic says not to do it. Let me give you an example. You're short on income, and you tithe anyway. The world around you will look at you and say, you're foolish. The Bible says to walk by faith and not by sight. You might say, I've got to take this job because, uh, because even though it requires me to work Sundays and skip church, I've got to pay my bills. But God says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And so you turn away the work and you say, Lord, I'm going to take another job that allows me to be faithful to your house. You can put that next slide up there on the screen there. And uh, here's how I have faith defined tonight. And this is not necessarily uh, the best definition out there. There are others you might find that you like better. But faith is a complete reliance on the provisions of God in every area of my life. Faith is a complete reliance on the provisions of God in every area of my life. Faith says, God, I am going to rely on You. Uh, that you're going to give me the strength I need to do the tasks that you have for me to do today. Faith says, God, I am going to rely on you to provide for me physically, spiritually, emotionally, socially, and monetarily. Faith says, God, I want you to guide my path today. I want you to lead me to the people that you want me to talk to. Through faith, I want to do exactly what you have planned for me to do today. What is faith? Faith is handing God a blank piece of paper every single morning and saying, my signature is at the bottom. You fill in the rest. Whatever you tell me to do, Lord, I'm game. I'm game. You fill in the rest. I am willing to do exactly what you want me to do. Number one, the essence of faith. Number two, we see the education provided by faith. The education provided by faith. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. The Bible says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We have a world around us that screams that there is a Creator. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. No one walks into an art gallery and looks at the Mona Lisa and says, Oh, I guess a bomb went off in a paint store. Look at this! Nobody does that. 
Nobody walks up to a Boeing 747 and goes, I guess a uh, bomb went off in a, in a, in a, in a junkyard for a, for a, for a, where they put airplanes and look at this beautiful Boeing 747 that was assembled with every seat in its place with not a scratch on it. What a miracle. Nobody says that. Why is it that people can look outside and look at how orderly our creation is and go, huh, there were two molecules that rubbed together really hard and boom, this is so cool. It is asinine to think that way. Asinine. Crazy. God stepped out on nothing and with His voice created everything. Stop and think about that for a minute. How powerful do you have to be to create everything from nothing? You stop and feel like my problem is so big. My problem is so overwhelming. God, I can't do this. And I'm here to tell you that the God who created everything from nothing knows about your problem. Can I share with something with you today that struck me many years ago in, in good night? This was one of those moments where I was struck with such a profound truth that it just about knocked me flat on my back, left me speechless. Here's what it is. God was powerful enough to speak the worlds into existence, but personal enough to come down and with His own hands create Adam. With His own lips breathe into Adam the breath of life. With His own hands open up Adam and create Eve out of a rib. God is not just powerful. And here's the profound truth. God is personal. He's personal. My friend tonight, I don't know where you're struggling with faith, but stop and look back, as verse 3 of Hebrews 11 says, at the creation of our world and be reminded that God is not only powerful enough to create things, He personally cares for you. I think of the story where Jesus met the blind man. And He spits down in the dirt. And he takes that clay that he had made out of his spittle. And he wipes it on the eyes of the blind man. And he says, wash and see. He takes his fingers in another story. And he sticks them in the ears of a deaf man. He's personal. Do you know that God loves you just as much as He loved that blind man? God loves you just as much as He loved the deaf man, deaf, uh, the, the, the deaf man. And I'm here today to tell you is that if you're struggling with your faith, let me remind you that your God is powerful, but your God is also personal. He's personal. Number three, we see the effects of faith. The effects of faith. You can't talk about faith in a sermon and do it justice without talking about letter A. Faith pardons the sinner. 
Now, this isn't necessarily uh, seen directly here out of the first six verses. The Bible gets down later and tells us about Abraham, how that he was saved by his faith. But Ephesians 2, 8, 9, verses that we're all familiar with, says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I won't labor on this long. I believe everyone here is either saved or has heard the Gospel explained plenty of times, but faith pardons the sinner. Uh, God uh, looks down on you with grace and that grace that was provided through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you take your faith and you put it in that grace, you have this wonderful thing called salvation that comes to you. But letter B, we see, talking about the effects of faith, letter B, we see faith pleases God. Look at verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11. It says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Impossible to please Him. Again, faith is a complete reliance on the provisions of God in every area, every area of my life. Many of you serve in different departments here at our church. Can I ask you a question tonight? Are you doing it in the power of your own flesh? Or are you walking by faith? Bus routes, Sunday school, nursery, ushering, ushering. Maybe it's you drop a tithe check in the offering plate. You're, you attend church. And all, all these things are great, but they don't please God if you're doing them through the power of your own flesh and the power of your own strength. God says, no, I want you to do those things through faith because without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You cannot please God if you're going out on your bus route and you're doing that through the power of your flesh. You cannot please God if you stand up to teach Sunday school and you put that little Sunday school lesson together in the power of your own flesh. You cannot please God watching those babies in that nursery if you're holding and watching those babies through the power of your own flesh. You cannot please God passing an offering plate and shaking the hand of a visitor if you're doing that in your own flesh. God doesn't is not pleased by that tithe check you drop in if you're tithing based on what you're able to do. God doesn't even care about your faithfulness to church if you're doing that because it's just what you do week after week and you're doing it through your own flesh. God wants us to do all these things by faith. He wants us to say, Lord, I can't, but You can. I can't, but You can. Here's the truth. I've put together, in my years as a preacher, I've put together hundreds of sermons. But if any sermon I assemble is put together because of what I have learned in a homiletics class, that sermon doesn't have God's blessings on it. Every time I've got to come to the Lord with a humble heart, I've got to say to God, Lord, I can't do this without You. Oh, sure, I can come up with some cute little alliterated outline and I can come up with some cute little illustrations, but they're not going to move anyone's heart unless you're in this. Holy Spirit of God, will You lead me to the passage You want me to preach? Will You give me the points that You wanted me to make? Will You give me what the people of God need? If I need that as your preacher, you need that too as a church attendee. You need that as a Sunday school teacher. You need that as an usher. You need that as a soul winner. Faith that pleases God. It pleases God. When we do it through our own strength, God is displeased. Number four, we see the examples of faith. 
Hebrews chapter 11, there are 16 names given and then many more that are referenced in this chapter. Every one of these people struggled with their sin nature. Many of them at one point in their lives even committed some sort of egregious, gross, embarrassing sin. Adultery. Murder. Some of them liars. I mean, lying about things that you sit there and scratch your head and say, you are a, uh, you are a hero of the faith and you lied about what? You think about uh, both Abraham and Isaac saying to uh, foreign diplomats, that's not my wife, that's my sister. What? You did what? But God has them listed here in the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. All of these people chose to do right by faith instead of doing wrong through the power of the flesh. At some point in their life, they came to a fork in the road. And they could have done what logic in their flesh said to do. And they said, I'm not going there. I'm going to live by faith. Abel sacrificed the best lamb. Logic said to keep it. Enoch walked close to God. Logic said, use your time to do other things. Noah built a boat in his backyard. Logic said, avoid the criticism and the headache. Abraham left his home and much of his family behind and followed God to an unknown destination. Logic said to stay where it's comfortable and enjoy your luxurious lifestyle. Abraham, upon God's command, took his child up on a hill to sacrifice him. Logic said that's insane. How could anyone expect me to do that? Many, many, many more examples in Hebrews 11 where these men and even some women went against what everyone else around them thought they should do and did what God had told them to do. Let me say tonight that the Bible is a book filled with examples of people who did and did not trust God. Those who chose not to trust God had a life that ended in misery and defeat. Misery and defeat. You want to know why there's so many stories in the Bible? It's not just to make it easy and fun for you to read. It's to drive the point home that God wants you to live by faith and not by sight. You take those who are heroes, and there's a reason why God waited to put them in the book of Hebrews, and then highlighted their, their, their super Christian experiences with the word faith. Faith. Number one, we see the essence of faith. Number two, the education provided by faith. Number three, we see the effects of faith. Number four, the examples of faith. Number five, notice the effort. The effort of faith. Look with me at verse six of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him for, notice this next part, He that cometh to God must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of them that, here's the stipulation, diligently seek Him. Letter A, first notice, we must daily seek Him. Daily seek Him. My life's verse is John 3.30. He must increase, 
but I must decrease. But a runner-up to that verse for me is Psalm 63.1, which says this, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul is thirsty for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Christian, can I ask you today where your level of dedication is? Are you seeking Him daily? Are you making some sort of sacrifice every day to spend time with the Lord? You say, Pastor, you have no idea how busy I am. If you're too busy to walk with God, then your priorities are out of order. You're too busy. You're too busy. Stopping on a regular basis and talking to the Lord in prayer. Having that time set aside where you get away from everything and you pray and talk to the Lord. Listen, you're living your life by faith. It does not come natural. It doesn't come natural. Especially to us men, we, we're big and we're strong and we're masculine. Oh, I can fix everything! And God says, I don't want you to fix everything. I want you to let me lead you on how to do things. Let me tell you what happens every day when I come into the presence of God. I'm reminded that He can and I can't. I'm reminded that God is huge. And I'm this little itty-bitty pipsqueak. God could take His finger and go, get out of here, if He so chose. And He'd have every right to do it. It humbles me. It humbles me. makes me go from there, Lord, everything I do today, I want to do it by faith. Want to do it by faith. We must daily seek Him. Letter B, we must diligently seek Him. This morning we looked at Matthew chapter 7 and we talked about asking and seeking and knocking our petitions, our pursuit, our persistence. Grabbing hold of God and saying, I'm not letting go until you give me that which is good. So you give me that which is good. Being diligent in it. As a school teacher, I used to tell my students when I opened up every school year, the two, two, really the three school years I taught, two full-time, one part-time, every time I'd open up that classroom, or at least several times throughout the year, when I'd open that classroom, I'd tell the students this. And by the way, if you're taking notes tonight, let me encourage you to write this down. It won't be on the screen. Let me encourage you to write it down. There are two things you need to do to be successful in life. If you can do these two things, you're guaranteed to be a success in life. Here they are. Number one, pay attention to details. Pay attention to details. You can't pay attention to details, you can't succeed. You don't take notes when I'm giving them in class? You're stuck? Come test day. You don't uh, pay attention to the details of doing the homework you've been assigned? You're going to get a zero. You're going to get a zero. You don't pay attention to the details of highlighting the things you're told to highlight to study for the test? Best of luck to you. The second thing I tell them they need to do to be successful in life was so the first was pay attention to details. The second one was follow directions. Follow directions. 
Let me just say tonight that you can take that and apply it across all kinds of different work scenarios. You can apply that at home. You can apply that at uh, in your marriage. You can apply that in parenting. But let me say this, is that when it comes to being successful in the Christian life, you've got to pay attention to details. Right here in this book. God put them all in here for a reason. I know a lot of people that know the details of the Bible, but they're not living them. It's one thing to know the details. It's another one to follow them. You've got to follow directions. How does that happen? You're diligent. You're diligent. Are you diligently seeking the Lord today? Let me just say today that if you don't have a prayer life, can I encourage you to start tonight, tomorrow morning? You say, Pastor, I don't even know what to pray about. Listen. You pray about everything you can think about. You know, when I was young in my Christian life, starting out praying, I remember getting down on my knees and I prayed for everybody I could think of. I prayed for everything I could think of. And I got done with that prayer time and I thought, man, I have sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. And I looked up at the clock and it had been about five minutes. I thought, what? Surely that was an hour and five minutes. Did that clock break? But the longer I prayed, the more I learned how to communicate with God. Five minutes turned to 15 minutes, which turned to 30 minutes, which turned to an hour, which sometimes have been longer seasons than that. You've got to be diligent. Diligent. The effort of faith. James tells us that faith without works, well, it's dead. It's dead. You can sit there and say, I have faith. Go get them. You're not doing anything with it. What's that equate to? Number six, and lastly, we see the enticement of faith. Look at verse six with me, Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible tells us there at the end of the verse, it says that He is a rewarder, a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. A rewarder. God one day is going to hand out Rewards. Rewards. Say, Pastor, how's that going to work? We're going to get down to the end of our lives. One day we'll stand in front of God at what's called the judgment seat. I don't know what, what all will go on there. I know 1 Corinthians gives us a description of that day. I don't know what all will be said there. But I can tell you what the Bible says. God is going to take all of the works of your life. The sinful works, the religious works, the fleshly works, and the faith works. He's going to put them through a fire. The Bible tells us that those works that are accomplished by your flesh, they'll equate to wood, hay, and stubble. What happens when you light wood, hay, and stubble on fire? You get a handful of ash. God's going to take our works that are done by faith. Those are going to go through the fire. And from there will come gold, silver, and precious stones. And we'll take those crowns and those jewels and for all of eternity we will lay them at the feet of the one who is worthy. Christian, tonight, if your life came to an end and God gathered together all your works, 
You ran them through that fire as He will do one day. Would you have anything other than a pile of ash? Would you have some gold, some silver and some precious stones to lay back at His feet? You see, tonight I believe everybody here is successful at something. The great William Carey said this, he said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at all the wrong things. I'm afraid of succeeding at all the wrong things. Tonight, if you want to work a bus route, I say, I'm thankful for you. But don't do it in your flesh. That's wood, hay, and stubble. Tonight, if you're here and you want to teach a Sunday school class, pretty soon we're going to be revamping our whole Sunday school program and using our Sunday school program to hopefully build and grow our church. But those of you who already teach Sunday school or very soon will be, do not do that through your flesh. Do not do that through your power. Do not do that through your might. You walk with God. You walk through faith and you teach that class through faith. Those of you here tonight that attend church, and maybe that's all that you do, let me say tonight that don't you get up and, and scraggle into church and, 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 and crawl into church and the power of your flesh. No, you say to the Lord, I'm going through faith and uh, you're going to get me there by faith and I'm going to get something from the Word of God by faith tonight. God one day will pass those works through the fire. You'll be handed rewards. The enticement. The reward of your faith. White Oak Baptist Church, God took 120 people in an upper room and they turned the world upside down for Jesus. We have more than 120 people come here every day, every Sunday rather. We have the same potential they do. The difference is they had a heart of faith. Many of us don't. Tonight, I ask you not to look at how much faith you do have. I ask you to look in your heart and ask yourself this question. How much faith should I have? What's keeping me from having more faith in God? My friends, as your pastor, we're limited here. We're limited here. If the people here are not people of faith. Learning to walk by faith. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight.